Instead of our hosts going insane, they are being used for industrial espionage. Does that make this a glass half full or half empty type situation? We're engineers. It means the glass has been manufactured to the wrong specifications. You're listening to Decrypted, Ars Technica's podcast devoted to the television that we're obsessed with. Right now, we're watching Westworld. I'm your host, Annalie Newitz. I'm the tech culture editor at Ars Technica. And my guest this week is Rose Eveleth, who has an amazing podcast called Flash Forward that you should all be listening to right now. Well, first listen to this and then listen to that. And she's going to talk to us about the latest episode. And we're also going to dive into the question you've all been asking about sex and gender in this show. All right, let's get started. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So this episode we got a lot of answers to questions about some things, and then new mysteries emerged. So I want to start, let's just dive right into talking about um, the Ford and Arnold relationship and legacy robots that are unregistered robots. So we know, I mean, this this episode we reestablish once again by re-meeting Lee, the annoying uh, head of narrative. I was really hoping that he was going to go away. Yeah, well, for, he, like a lot longer. He's about to be gone. I yeah, think. Like, but he's he, so annoying. <laughs> he's terrible, and he pisses on everything. And he's like, basically literally. there. <laughs> yeah, he's basically there to remind us that Ford is destroying the narrative. He's yeah. he's pulled fifty hosts at this point. Um, he's he's literally ripping holes in the park. So we know that. Uh, Lee's life is ruined because there's no way to even fix these narrative holes. And so that leads to this mystery that both Elsie and Bernard are kind of following out where they realize there's these unregistered robots in the park. So I guess the key to that whole subplot is really when we meet Ford's creepy robot family. Yeah. And like they don't follow commands, right? So Bernard tries to stop the guy, whoever, so I guess it's Ford's dad, although is exactly the same person as in the picture that he shows Bernard of him and quote unquote Arnold. If you put those two people next to each other, that's the same person. Right. And that's, and in fact, Bernard says, Are you Arnold? Who's Arnold? And who the hell are you? And so, but then Ford is there. And I'm also curious, like, if Ford hadn't been there, did he know Bernard went and that's why he showed up? But anyway, so Ford can control them. And I think it's also interesting because Ford earlier had told, had said some line about, like, don't worry, it's not a retrospective, I'm not sentimental. But he obviously is because he's kept this little world for himself. These are the only ones left in the park that Arnold built himself. That's why I didn't have the heart to destroy them. Himself as a child, which is creepy. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, his family, I guess, in this house. And it's, like, totally, you know, like, out of character. It's not in the West. It's, like, sort of, a, a like, a British cottage, essentially, or, like, a house that doesn't fit in with the Western theme at all. It also doesn't fit in with the timeline as we understand it. Because yeah. this is supposed to be set about 150 or 200 years in the future. And the house is, like, set in the 1940s. Right. So I guess Ford grew up in the 1940s. Right. And, and like, is somehow... Like, 300 years old somehow. Or, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. But it is. it was really interesting and spooky. And there's the dog. There's the greyhound dog that Ford talks about at the very beginning of last episode where he tells that story about how the dog would chase the piece of felt, and then when it saw an actual animal, it chased it and killed it. And then obviously we get the dog dying, and we get for- younger Ford lying to him about it, which I thought was really interesting. But yeah, it was creepy. The thing about Ford's sentimentality is that 
he's been he's almost anti-sentimental because he says Arnold made these robots. So he's partly hanging on to them because he he misses Arnold or that Arnold was some fulfilled something in him that uh, no one else can. But over the years, he's been tinkering with the dad bot to make the dad bot more abusive and alcoholic. And he actually says, yeah. like, I've been I've, I've changed a little bit of the programming because they these these replicas flattered the originals too much. So so Ford is is dwelling on some daddy issues. Yeah. Not surprisingly. And also now he's creating daddy issues with his own mini self, yeah. which is so weird. He, like, goes weird. to visit and hang out with, and he's like, we're going to play ball with this dog. And then, like, you know, but he, like, we see him go to visit this kid more than once, right, in the past. Yeah. And then he says, I think, to Bernard, like, will you let me, like, indulge me in this? Like, let me have this one thing. Which is sort of weird to be like, you control everything. We let you have all, like, it's not just this one thing. Like, it's weird to be like, just let me have this one thing yeah. and also everything else. <laughs> also everything, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the other thing that's interesting is that we find out that Although Arnold is apparently um, reprogramming some of these legacy robots, if you put the robot into analysis mode, they will tell you if they're lying. Uh, and the that's old what ones will. Teresa was using the old bicameral control system to reprogram the woodcutter. Which depends on whatever the legacy hardware is that these guys are running. There's like, we find out later Bernard says, you know, oh, there's like 40 of them in the park or something like that, or, or 50. Arnold is able to use this satellite link-up system to basically pipe his voice into their heads and drive them insane yeah. uh, and or give them orders. And even though, as Elsie discovers when she finds his secret lair uh, in that creepy theater, which, why is that why there is with there? baby heads question. in it? And that like, is my question about weird. most of those, like, under, like, subfloor scenes where I'm like, why is all of this here? What is happening? Yeah, I had a what lot of questions about that. what was the narrative that they were doing yeah. in there? There's, like, that was also like weirdly carousel like, horse in there. And they look kind of, like, <laughs> New Orleans-y, like, kind of where you're like, was this a different world? Because, like, right in the original Westworld pre-show, right, there was Medieval World and there were, like, other worlds as possible. Roman Maybe there world. were other worlds. Worlds that aren't in the West, so like we don't know. But carnival-esque world, carnival world, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> well, we have. I mean, the the show producers have said that we're going to go outside of Westworld, so maybe this is yeah, a little yeah. hint of that. But so she goes in there and she finds out that Arnold and Teresa, who I love Teresa. I love her too. I'm glad that she's kind of a Maeve-like figure who's like going against Ford. And Arnold have been reprogramming the robots using this bicameral mind control thing. And then making the robots able to lie, making them able to hurt other guests. guests. Yeah. But like I said, I, I do think it's interesting that we're given that hint that if you can take them into analysis mode, that seems to override this Although programming. Although we've seen Dolores potentially lying, right? Because they ask her, you know, who have you talked to? And then, you know, Ford leaves and then she says to nobody, you know, don't worry, I didn't tell him. And so she's lying to somebody. That's right. Right? Even in analysis mode. So I think it's possible that like maybe these older, older, like those original first generation robots can't or maybe just that kid can't. Or maybe Arnold is allowing him to get that information because he's kind of trying to send a message like, hey, you think you're in control, but like watch out, which I really feel like that's a message to Ford specifically. Like he kills his dog. Tell me what really happened to it. I killed it. Why? I don't know. That's not good enough, Robert. 
and says, like, don't fuck with me. I do feel like that was really a message to Ford to say, like, you are not as in control as you think you are. So I wonder if it's not just that, like, if it's not necessarily that Ford can have them not lying in analysis mode and rather that Arnold is allowing this kid to give him that information because he wants Ford to know. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. So Arnold or whatever remains of Arnold is clearly, I mean, he's out for blood at this point. Oh, yeah. Reprogramming the robots just as Ford is rebuilding the park. And so it's almost like I think Elsie even says this, you know, well, Arnold, if they were having an argument, Arnold is still kind of making his side of the argument. Um, And so perhaps what we're seeing in the park is really that original clash. Speaking of which, we learned also in this episode from Teddy in the most boring subplot ever. He's so boring. He's, he's, <laughs> he's boring. I mean, I love him. Well, we'll talk about him later, but yeah. like I, I love him for some reasons. But anyway, the one interesting thing that happened was that he revealed what the maze is. Right. And the maze is clearly associated with Arnold. Like yeah. the more we learn about Arnold and the sort of weird hacks that he's doing, the more it seems clear that that he is um, pushing this uh, fantasy of the maze or this myth of the maze. But Teddy tells us... The maze is an old native myth. Regale me, Theodore. The maze itself is the sum of a man's life. Choices he makes, dreams he hangs on to. And there at the center, there's a legendary man who'd been killed over and over again countless times, but always clawed his way back to life which obviously sounds a lot like some robots that we might talk about. And so I think the most important thing there is that we learn once again that there's some kind of weird mystical Native American subplot going on in here, which I'm afraid is not being handled as well as I was hoping it would. Yeah. I kept hoping, I I said in earlier podcasts, I really hoped that they would have Native American characters or guests that would come in and be like... like, grapple with this in any way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're grappling really well with some of the other issues around race and gender. And this is just like totally unquestioned. The Native Americans are just kind of, they are just mythical people. And, you know, so they're, they're there just to supply some mysticism for us. So it's like, Many other Western narratives where, you know, they're just, if you need a handy mystical moment, well, we've got the ghost nation right here. And yeah. that's their fantasy name for the, the natives in this plot. So so now we know what the maze is. Congratulations. Great. Next. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I did feel I did feel like the Man in Black Teddy plot line in this episode was my least favorite part of it. I, it's like important to progress a couple things, but like. I'm also, and you know, he shoots that gun and just kills everybody. And I think that was supposed to be like, oh, he's turning, right? Because, you know, Teddy is supposed to kind of, in his programming, be this like stoic character who won't harm people unless they've really done wrong. There's that moment in the scene where he's like, nope, killing everybody. Yeah. And I think that we were supposed to kind of like get something about him from that. But I was kind of like, all right, let's get back to Maeve. Like, I don't really care about this. Like, I want to see her back in the lab. It almost felt like that scene was sort of like just video game grinding. Yeah. Like, you're just, okay, we're grinding a bunch of things. We're just killing a bunch of stuff. We're yeah. just leveling up here. And, um, but yeah, you're right. I think it showed a dark side of Teddy that we didn't know about. It actually showed a more um, compassionate side of the man in black right. that we kind of didn't know about where he's he seems concerned about Teddy. Trying to get yourself killed? Making peace with past indiscretions. Go! I mean, he needs him, right? He knows he needs him to get to where he wants to go. So I don't know how genuinely concerned he yeah. is. <laughs> but there is that nice moment where he's like... You think you know someone? You don't know me at all. Yeah. As of, up to now, like the like, I was really sad when Lawrence went away because th- I thought their dialogue, the Man in Black and Lawrence, had like kind of a more fun back and forth. Where like the Man in Black knows that Lawrence is just parroting back, you know, programmed language, but he kind of enjoys it. And there's that part where he's like, 
why do I like hanging out with you? And he says something kind of, Lauren says something kind of dickish back to him. And he's like, yeah, maybe it's because no man alive would speak to me in the way that you speak to yeah. me. Because he's like, outside this world seems to be very powerful, like very rich, like you know, people know who he is. So yeah, I did like, I, but yeah, Teddy, I'm like, okay, cool, let's move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's, let us move on. Yeah. And like, let's talk about what I thought was really the most exciting part of this episode, which was Maeve's yes. arc and finding out that she's aware enough of what's going on that she's now actually getting herself killed yeah. in order to visit with Felix, who I love. I guess I'm lukewarm on Felix. When we first met Felix, I was kind of like, okay. I mean, it was partially because Felix and his like co buddy, whatever his name is, the guy Sylvester, Sylvester the ginger, also, the rude ginger. Like their dialogue was so bad in the last episode that was like so stilted, and they were just kind of like ribbing each other, like dude, dudes on dude. And I was just like not here for it. But he's gotten much more interesting, and I think that like you know he's kind of in. Some ways like a viewer stand in where it's like he feels compassion to her and we're seeing some interesting stuff with him too where like in the last episode you see Maeve come like the, there's that like weird glitching that hosts will have where they'll like see the same thing over and over again and you kind of see that with him where like Maeve just keeps coming back in he's like it's her again you know we just saw her um, and so is that like interesting thing where he sort of feels like he understands what it's like to be in a cog in a machine I think in this like big company he's growing on me although I will say he's still I'm still a little bit like why are you doing this? Like, what is going on? I how did you that's... get access? How does like how is he even allowed to reprogram her? Like, I don't understand that. I don't well, know. We've if... seen him. So last week we did see that he was he'd, like stolen something, right? right? He'd stolen a, a bird robot. So he's a hacker. But I think he also stole that little tablet. I don't think they're supposed yeah. to have that. Yeah, they're not supposed to. He's not supposed to be programming. He's just, um, you know, he's just a med tech, really. He's yeah. just supposed to be in there doing basic cleanup. But he is a hacker, and he's he's trying to learn more about how the robots work. And I get the sense that that's just because he's a smart guy who's really interested in the technology. The thing I like about him is that I feel like he's the kind of working class version of Bernard because we know, again, from last week that he is, he's certainly not rich. I mean, he's making probably just a crappy tech salary. He's like a tech support, basically, right. and uh, who has aspirations, but he fears the company. He fears losing his job. You know, like Bernard, he's sympathetic to the robots yeah. and he cares about them as machines, but also he definitely sees that they are improvising in ways that are very human. And one of the things that I just thought was so genius about this episode were those moments when he talks to Maeve about how he knows he's human because he was born, which is like a really terrible way to yeah. say that because Maeve thinks that she's from New Orleans. Like right. he could have just been programmed to think that he'd been born. Uh, but then when he shows her the attribute matrix, yes. which is the UX that they use for looking at the personality of the robot. Very D and D. It love was it. so D. It was D and D. And I think they even had like constitution yeah, and dexterity. Yeah, right, and exactly. So they had a lot of. They did have a lot of D and D um, attributes. But then she's like, "I don't believe you." Basically, yeah. that I'm a robot. And he's like, "Well, look." So this is me. It's your code base. All the things that make you, you. What are these? Your attribute matrix. Shows her her thoughts as she's thinking them, and it looks sort of like a very souped-up Markov yeah, chain. Yeah, exactly. Basically. She's just picking words out of lists. Yeah, but you see the options, and then you see the and like. That was one of my favorite scenes, I think, in the show all so far as a whole, where she's like holding that and looking and watching it, and then it just she just shuts down, right? And then obviously Felix has this moment of like, oh my god, what have I done? Like, what's happening? Um, and he kind of brings her back to life somehow by like coding. But I like that moment of her watching her thoughts and watching the words come out of her mouth. I thought was like so well done and like thought provoking. And it really imitates uh, what it feels like when a human reaches a certain age and you achieve self consciousness and you start to realize, oh. I'm thinking thoughts 
because other people have told me certain things and you start to realize like, oh, actually, I believe this thing because my mom told me or I learned this in school. But is that really true? And you start questioning and we see uh, her having these this sort of cascading failure where she's trying to improvise and trying to figure stuff out before she shuts down. And it's like that moment of realizing, oh, crap. I've been programmed. And and like I said, e- even humans have that moment. Yeah. And it's so great. And then, of course, watching her stand up to Sylvester and having that moment where she says she wants them to turn up her, they call it the... What was it? Bulk apperception. Let's take that all the way to the top. Please. Which is just intelligence. Yeah. To go back to D&D. Yeah, it's just right. intelligence. It's intelligence. But she... She um, wants to re-roll. Yeah, which I always did. Yeah. I can totally appreciate that. I would be like, I didn't get an 18 dexterity. Yeah. I mean, I really need to re-roll. And they say, and actually they're using numbers. They don't actually say it goes up to 18, I think. But but they, say, they say it goes to 20, I think. Oh, 20. I think 20 is the top. Yeah. yeah, and they say that none of the robots are allowed to have bulk apperception above 14. Right. Because uh, as Felix has told Maeve, they're, actually the robot brains are much better than human brains. Right. And the only thing that keeps them from being better is is basically just their programming. Yeah. And so when she says to them, Loyalty. Mine's been taken advantage of, wouldn't you say? Let's lower that a tad. And pain. I'd prefer it sting less next time I want one of these chats. Right. That was like a great line. Yeah. And so then, and we, we get to watch her intelligence being boosted. And it's such an interesting scene because, of course, as her intelligence is being boosted, the camera is focused on her butt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this yeah. weird thing where it like travels from her butt up to her face and she's kind of gasping and making these almost like orgasmic noises. Yeah. And it was this strange moment of what are you trying to tell us about right. intelligence, like how intelligence feels or, you know, it was it was an odd way of representing yeah. that. Well, I want to go back, though, because even before that, we have before she gets to up her stats, we have that scene where she walks around in the facility with Felix, which is, I think, both a like beautiful and infuriating scene to me because you get this beautiful music. We get to really see like all the parts of Westworld. We see the like bison being led around. We see the them practicing the shootouts in the bar. She sees, you know, we go all the way up to the top where she sees the promo for Westworld and there's the all those visions she's been having, all those memories she's been having on the big screen, which is great, beautiful, awesome. Except like, how is nobody noticing that these people are walking around? Like he's not supposed to be up above that floor. He's in the white hazmat suit. She's dressed, which we've already seen, you know, Ford be like, they're not supposed to be dressed. They're naked. They're just robots and he like cuts that guy's face and yells at that tech. And so like, as much as I appreciated that scene, I was also just like, what is going on? Like, how is nobody (laughs) noticing this? Like, how is this possible? And it sort of made me question like, is this really happening? Is it possible? There's all these glass walls. Like everybody can see everything. And like, yet nobody notices that like Maeve has gone rogue and is like threatening Sylvester with a knife. And like, no one seems to be actually paying attention at all. So I'm just like, what's happening? The whole place is under surveillance. Right. Ford is like, yes, I can roll back the surveillance footage 30 years to see what rest yeah, like Teresa where you sat. Yeah. yeah, and so and like yeah. Elsie comes in with the like footage of the guy like banging the robot, being like, "We're vlogging all this stuff." So it's like, is this something that like Ford knows this is happening and he's okay with it? Like, is I mean, I've seen like Felix is a host, which like I don't think is true, but just like what is going on such that like they can know exactly where the man in black is at all times and be like, that gentleman gets whatever he wants, you know, let him do his thing. But like, they have no idea that any of this other stuff is happening. I'm just like very confused about what's happening. So I think there's two possibilities. One is that it just 
they just needed that scene to be awesome, which I think is the more likely Probably. possibility. Which is fine. It, That's fine. I will suspend disbelief. The other possibility is that, you know, this is part of Arnold um, helping them out because yeah. we know Sylvester, the evil ginger, says even before they've messed around with Maeve's attribute matrix, yeah. someone else with very high-level creds, right. obviously Arnold, Clearly. Uh, has been messing around with her, making her more, more paranoid, paranoid yeah. and messing around with her self-preservation, which I assume may be bumping it up, like yeah. making her want to survive more. And so Arnold is watching her. She's obviously one of the original tech models. So possibly Arnold is in the yeah. machine somewhere preventing... Maybe like making messing with the cameras, making sure nobody sees them. Yeah, but still, like, but that how means he knows what Felix, Felix is doing. Yeah, and how would Felix know that they were safe to do that? Like, in la- last episode, I don't think he did, though, because he looks paranoid. so nervous, right? Because he's walking, and he's like, can we please go back down? And then she goes and watches that video, and he's like, you're going to get me fired. Yeah. Um, and he says, I think he's walking, and he's like, this is a terrible idea. Or like, why am I doing this? Or whatever. Which, why is he right. doing Which it? Right, which it is. And I think that's interesting. Like, clearly, he has become interested in what's going on here. I think Sylvester's doing it because he's t- he's terrified. Yeah. And, like, at this point, they're kind of into deep and like there's you know no and she's I think maybe even says this like there's no going back at this point and then there's that thing about like maybe he's running like an underground sex thing with the robots and they're like wiping their memory or well, something and that's what Maeve that's what Maeve has over them right, right. she has blackmail over Sylvester um, I, does, I don't get the sense that Felix has been involved in that no. but yeah Sylvester's been the reason why he's able to even go in and reprogram her is because he already had that access to allow, uh, I guess, other techs? I think it's other techs to have, to have sex, sex with, with the robots, yeah. all of the robots, and then he erases that memory. Right. So on top of all the other traumas that these robots have, Ooh, yeah. they have all these suppressed memories of being raped yeah. by the techs. Like, great. Yeah. So it's like double extra PTSD. I don't totally. Know. Like, now that, like, Maeve is, like, super smart and less loyal, I'm kind of like, Sylvester, my dude, like, this is not going to work out for you. Like, this is not going to go well for you. There's no way this ends well for Sylvester. Yeah. Felix may be saved because she might feel loyal to him a little bit just because he kind of like has been helping her. But yeah, Sylvester's not making out of this thing alive. Yeah, not at all. And and I think I have high hopes for, for Felix. I think that he is a robot sympathizer. And one of the things I've really been intrigued with in this show is the idea that there are some humans who actually do sympathize with the robots. I think that's a really complicated idea that you rarely see in these kinds of narratives where there's a division between the humans and some of them team up with the robots and some of the robots want to kill all the humans and some of them don't. So I like the fact that there's some complexity. It's not a situation where like all robots are same, all humans are same. You know, there's alliances across the line between artificial and human. Right. And they talk about that too with Dolores and William. I think I forgot. I read an interview with Evan Rachel Wood where she kind of says that like they do genuinely fall in love but like she, I think her quote is like it's like a fish falling in love with a bird like they just can't like there's no way for that to like be a real thing but like both of them actually you know and so it's interesting that you have like William who I think is the most boring character on the show oh I kind of like William I just like his the like sultry looks that he gives I'm just like okay tone it down <laughs> like he's just like so like sad and soulful and I'm just like I don't know I, yeah, yeah I don't buy him as emo I think it's just that actor because I um in person of interest he was always such a scumbag um, until the very end mm. so um I I keep thinking of him from that role. But I mean, I like his arc. I mean, you know, I like that, you know, idea that there's a human who's kind of questioning the idea that we should use robots for killing and sex. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's not as interesting as Maeve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, no one is as interesting as Maeve on this show. Also, Tandy Newton is like a mate. Like she's doing yes. such a good job. I've, I've been like so into her. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about 
what we really came here to talk about, yes. which is I sex, mean, sex <laughs> and gender. Yeah. I mean, we're already talking about, you know, Maeve, who is sort of the purveyor of both. So yeah. this is an interesting show because we are kind of playing a little bit with the fembot stereotype or archetype, I should yeah. say. It's not really a stereotype because we don't really have <laughs> fembots yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> uh, so the archetype of the fembot. We've also got the archetype of the warrior bot. So it's like the m- women are kind of fembots, the men are kind of warrior bots. So do you think there's something more complicated going on than just that? Yeah, I mean, so I was actually, the one thing that I was skeptical about when I first started watching this show was that, like, Westworld seems to be this, like, white colonial dude narrative where, like, men, white men, come to Westworld to, like, fuck and kill and scalp, you know, quote Indians and, like, do this whole thing. Which, to me, I'm kind of like, ah, like, come on. So I was really hoping that we'd get something more interesting. And I think we have gotten something more interesting. I think we see two, our main characters are women, right? I would consider Maeve and Dolores our main characters. Both of them are on these interesting paths where they're kind of realizing that the system in which they operate is stacked against them, much like women in real life today. Um, And I think that we're getting, I mean, there is definitely some of the same tropes, right, where you have... Dolores as the pure woman who is like the good girl and it's kind of like now gets to be the hero and that's like kind of a heavy-handed thing I think the way they're doing it is like you know she wears the dress and then she puts on the pants and like now she's a feminist you know and you're like (laughs) okay and then you get Maeve who's kind of the like other side of the coin where she's you know the whore who's like the Lucifer character kind of like realizing what she's you know what's happening and she sort of takes a very different tack to get what she wants which is using her programmed ability to read people like as what she did you know as a host to get what she wants from Felix and kind of get them to do what she wants. So you're getting these two interesting characters who are becoming much more than just oh this is a fembot who is rising up. I think the way that that's happening I think that is what's happening but I think the way that that's happening is more interesting than even Ex Machina I think way of it happening because you end up questioning a like are they actually conscious i know that some people i who i know i'm friends with have talked about this they don't think that any of these robots are conscious they think this is still just ai and that like we're all just really wanting that to be the case and that's going to be the twist is like they're actually just still robots and they're not conscious but i think that like we're getting twists on those same storylines in a way that is interesting i kind of want them to twist a little bit more than they are i would love to see like interrogations of like sexual identity and like does make like who are these people as opposed to just being the pretty blonde girl and then like the woman of color who's a whore. Like, I think that, like, that is... I would like for that to be subverted a little bit more than it is right now, but I think we might be going there. We'll see. I think we might be, and I think one of the things that's really interesting about how these stere- these stereotypes of women are being portrayed is that they're always talked about in the show in the context of narratives and loops. And so it's not an essential part of them. It's not like they are born to be good girls. They are trapped in narratives created by mostly guys, and um, although not entirely because we see Elsie, uh, who's one of the main programmers, is also uh, kind of tinkering with their consciousness. And so one of the things that was great was a couple weeks ago when the website, the Westworld website, leaked the kind of flowchart for Dolores's character. And we see that she has a few options. You yeah. know, she's not entirely trapped in a, a, a ridiculous narrative, but all of her options are these really rigid gender roles. So she can either be daddy's nice little girl. She can hook up with a nice boy and have dinner. She can be raped. Or, you know, if she really goes, you know, totally off the reservation like she has been now, now she gets to be a little bit more, uh, you know, assertive. But um, that's not in her original loop, of course. So really her only options are nice daddy's girl or, you know, uh, get raped. So, um, which again, as you said, like these are things that women in real life have to 
deal with all the time is like, okay, which narrative are you going to slot me into like today? Right. And we saw that Maeve used to not be uh, the ring- leader of a whorehouse, right? And like her memories, she has a daughter and they live on this frontier and she's like a homesteader. And that's like a totally different narrative. So I think that's an interesting thing that they're doing to say like, this is not a natural, like essential part of her. This is just, we're putting her into this storyline. She's good at it. And we're going to keep her going because the like the guests like her, right? And there's that moment, I think in like the second episode where they talk about how Maeve is getting like worse reviews, like some people up her aggression and there's that weird scene with her and the other woman where she's like a little too much. They can make her into whatever they want and they choose to make her into kind of like what they think the guests want, which are these like very rigid, you're either the good girl or the whore. I want to also mention uh, the male roles that we see too, because I think one of the tragedies that we see early in the show, now I think we're getting more into the female characters, but with the male characters, their roles are just as rigid and just as horrible. Like they're, what they can do is either they can be a beta male, basically, to a guest, and, and as Teddy has done, show another guy around, be his wingman, help him get laid, help him you know, kill some Indians or whatever they're going to do, or they can be killed. And that's the kind of warrior bot role that, um, in fact, many men have been put into in their lives. Many men are told, all right, you work for a living or you go to war and die. Those are <laughs> those are the things available to you as a man. Basically, you're only as good as your ability to fight and kill and be killed. So, you know, one of the first robot breakdowns we see is this bot that's been repeatedly murdered. And in fact, he's built to be murdered. Like that's his entire character is the guy that gets shot and he's rebelling against it and has come back to kind of get revenge. And of course, because he's in that narrative, the only way he can imagine revenge is through violence. Again, this is not really part of, the show doesn't seem to be saying like, men are naturally violent. It's saying men are trapped in narratives that make them violent. And so- Well, and Westworld is perpetuating that because guests come and they like w- seem to want that or, you know, Lee seems to think that they want that or whatever it is. It's like this loop kind of in its own way. Yeah, it is a loop. And I think to to return to what we were saying earlier about how um, robot consciousness seems a lot like human consciousness, Mm -hmm. I really think that's something that humans deal with all the time, too, is we get stuck in loops all the time. Oh, yeah. People like how many, I mean, we all know that person who keeps getting into the same relationship with the same abusive person, right? And they they get out of that relationship and then they find another person who's abusive in exactly the same way. And, you know, and there's other loops that people get into as well. Like they always take crappy jobs or they always, you know, somehow manage to screw themselves over in the same way. And I think this is, again, you know, even if the robots turn out, like as your friend said, not to be conscious, doesn't matter. They're still doing exactly what humans do. They're, they're stuck in loops. They're trapped in roles. Narratives have caged them up completely and they don't know who they are because they're just trying to do what the narrative tells them. Let's talk about the sex. Yeah. We man. had an orgy last week that was the most boring oh orgy my I've God. ever seen. I feel like that scene in Pride was very much a, like, we can do the Game of Thrones thing too. Like, I just felt <laughs> like it was very, like, no, no, like, but gold, gold painted ladies. And I, when they came out, I was like, ugh. Like, the next five minutes, I'm going to not be into. Um, yeah. And, like, even then, you're like, this is the most lame orgy I've ever seen. There's no gay sex. There's some lesbian stuff, kind of. But they're very, like weirdly dance around it where it's kind of like, ooh, is this going to happen? Like, are men going to get to watch kind of situation? Yeah, it's You don't see any guy-on-guy stuff. You see a couple of scenes where, like, it's sort of there's a man and there are two women and there's another man there who's, like, kind of stroking his arm or something. But you never actually get, like, good 
sex between men. Which we I was see like, Come Logan on. in the very, I think it's in the first episode, Logan is like in a threesome with a dude. And again, yeah. it's the arm stroking. It's, it's the arm stroking. Like, oh, there's a guy yeah. here. <laughs> right. And I'm like, listen, this is not what I, what I came for. Like, if I come, like, and especially like, we know that like men are interested in those kinds of things. Like, if this is really a park, and Pariah is supposed to be like where everything is fair game, this is where you can act out like all the things you're afraid to admit in real life where no one will know. There are going to be dudes having sex with dudes. Like, that is the thing people want. That is the thing that a lot of people want. And, like, I want to see that. In, if this, if I'm going to take this seriously as, like, the no-holds-barred, like, crazy place that people go to really be their true, true selves, like, I want to see that there. And I felt like it was so boring. The other thing is, like, as we were kind of saying before, we the park really still seems to be a male fantasy. Yeah. Like, even though we know 50% of the narratives are obviously going to be for women or more than 50%, there's tons of women in the park like, wouldn't there be, like, romance narratives? Or wouldn't there be, I mean, we already know from real life that women love watching guy-on-guy sex yeah. and guy-on-guy romance. So, like, totally. shouldn't there be, like, a yaoi narrative for women where yes. they get to see two yeah, beautiful broke back men? Mountain, and, 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 and so that's what was so, that's, like, missing. Like, yeah. why, aren't, why aren't we seeing that? And it, it does seem like a weird oversight because if this is HBO, okay, like, we can have gay sex. Right. Like, this is not an issue. We've, like, gone over that line, like, already. And, like, yeah. we know that gayness is awesome. So I wonder if... I'm hoping that we're working up to it, but I'm starting to lose hope because I feel like... You're not, like, on the Ed Harris, Teddy, like, the Man in Black and Teddy oh. getting, getting, it, getting together? Well... I mean, I would watch I that. <laughs> I'm just saying, HBO. Like, I'm just saying. That's an interesting one. I mean, you know, we have had Man in Black saying, I need you, Teddy. And, exactly. And Dolores is busy now, so who else is Teddy going to hook up with? Yeah. So, And we do know, even though for some weird reason uh, Maeve seems to have no male sex workers we yeah. did see that scene with Elsie where she's clearly repairing a male sex worker because right. she kind of like she stares like right at his dick and is like your talents will be wasted yeah. if you can't be pouring wine or yeah. pouring wine quote unquote yeah right I, I like, yeah as much as I liked that they nodded to that also that line I was like okay leaving the whole like I want to see guys have sex with each other to the side, which I very much do, right. and I would like us to all keep that in mind. I want my name signed on that yeah, petition. I, okay, yeah, I am <laughs> yeah. signing that. But even if we could just see a hetero woman like getting serviced, like yeah. hi, like yeah. why don't they walk into the no, saloon? No, there's like a and lot have, of like, duck, some like, dude women, come up, yeah, and like be like hi, and like because this is so far in the future that why wouldn't women go there and and be predatory on men? And as as people have been talking about on Twitter, like this is. A world where women can indulge in picking a dude up with total safety, right? Like, wouldn't wouldn't that be, like, a totally potent fantasy for women? Like, That's, like, the key thing, right? You can go in and you know, like, by their programming, they cannot hurt you. And that is, like, yeah, why wouldn't you have women being, like, I will sign up for that. I will go do that because that will be fun. Yeah. You don't see that at all. I, I feel like they've really neglected that is how much of a potent fantasy that would be for women. And it's funny because they fully investigate the male side of that where it's like, oh, you can't be hurt. That means you can be shot a bunch of times. But like they haven't thought about like, oh, you can't be raped. Like you can't be, you know, that would be a great episode for us to see. So hopefully, what, more gay sex we need? Yeah, I mean, always, that's always a hopeful thing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a big like hole in the West world, like world building. And like, it's funny, you see people on Twitter being like, trying to work out like the financial situation of the park and like is this financially viable and like my big question is it's only financially viable if you also offer something that women would want which I have not seen I mean yes like some women want to go shoot them up and some women want to do this but like a lot of those main narratives that we've just talked about where it's like 
why would I go to this? Like, why would I do this? I'd, yeah. And yeah. we had that one sort of throwaway scene where Ford said, well, we tried to give uplifting narratives, but nobody wanted them. But you and I, we're not talking about uplifting no. narratives here. We're just talking about, like, women wanting to have some, like, dirty romantic situation. Right. Which is not, up. it doesn't have to be uplifting. Like, that's, yeah. you know, that is not by definition uplifting. So I wanted to finish up by talking about something that you brought up to me before we started this podcast about gaslighting. Yes. Okay. So my feeling about the show is that like every time I watch it, I am more convinced that this is an extended metaphor for gaslighting in the sense that, so gaslighting, I guess the original play was 1938, but the movie that most people point to as like the main gaslighting origin story is 1944. And the premise of the movie is- It's a Hitchcock movie. It's a Hitchcock movie. And it's like very creepy in the way that you would imagine. But it's basically, there's this woman and her husband is changing the environment around her to basically convince her that she's crazy. So he'll like change how bright the lights are, the gas lights, which is sort of where the name comes from. And so it's sort of this idea that like in abusive relationships, often people will basically convince you that like, oh no, you're just crazy. Like this is not, your complaints aren't valid. You know, your worldview is not valid. You're crazy. And I feel like we're seeing that to the nth degree where not only are they changing the literal environment around them and moving them around, but they're also changing their brains and their memories and saying like, oh no, you don't actually remember that. They give them the ability to dream. So that way, if something does go wrong, they can be like, oh, that's not real. You're crazy. You're imagining that. And then you have that line where Maeve, once Hector cuts that bullet out of her, where she says, he's like, what does that mean? she goes, it means that I'm not crazy after all and none of this matters. And I was like, yes, like, so into it. So yeah, I just feel like we're getting this feeling that like so many women I think have felt, which is, you know, there's something wrong. You know, something is happening and everyone is telling you that you're crazy and you're not like it is actually happening. So I feel like that has been like a main theme for the show that I always think about whenever I watch it. So is Arnold the main gaslighter then? That's the question that I have still. Like, is it Ford? Is it Arnold? I feel like Arnold is kind of the one who's trying to either, I feel like there are two ways you could read it. Arnold is trying to like wake them up and say like, no, you're not crazy. Like this is the thing. Or he's like the voice that's telling them like, you hear him say like, kill him. You hear him say, find me. You hear him say all this stuff, which I love like those voices. Or is it Ford who's like trying to convince them that those voices that they're hearing, they're crazy. They're not actually hearing like, so I'm not sure who the gaslighter is in some ways. It sort of feels like all of Westworld is trying to gaslight these women and men in the storylines, right? Teddy and all the, the men who are there. And so I'm, I don't know exactly who is the one who's like changing the lights in some ways, but it sort of feels like everybody, like everybody is trying to convince these women. And I sort of wonder if we're going to see maybe and Dolores essentially like buck both Ford and Arnold like who wins because they're both kind of I think vying for the control of these particular women and it seems like particularly Dolores and Maeve are kind of like at the center of this quest for control and I wonder if at the end they're going to be like yeah fuck both of you <laughs> like you know I'm out of here like this is I'm not a toy anymore this is not a toy for you to play with or whether they're going they're gonna to side with somebody but it sort of feels like they're grappling with this thing where they think they can tell something is wrong. Like Dolores says, like, she's like, something is wrong. I can't figure out what it is. And everyone tells you, like, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, like, I, that's happened to me where they're like, no, you're fine. What are you talking about? You're crazy. No, there's actually a disembodied voice coming from a satellite telling yeah, exactly. me to kill. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I've been through this before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to see how that turns out. And I think you're right that, like, they are really at the center of that quest for control. And it, it makes sense that if you look at the series in the context of gender roles, it often is the case that when men fight with each other, women become pawns in the yes. fight and they get traded back and forth. And the and that female suffering in those kinds of fights really is just trying to get out of that fight. Like just yeah. saying like, look, I'm not part of your freaking fight. Yeah. I just, 
I just want to go be autonomous and live my life yeah. and, and just, you know, back to the homestead with my daughter. And right. you guys, go ahead. Fight over consciousness. Fight over who controls the park. But, like, I'm going to be over here. Yeah, leave me out of it. Yeah. Have we seen Ford talk to Maeve? I feel like he doesn't interact with Maeve really ever. I don't think we have. I mean, we've definitely seen a lot of the techs interact with Maeve. Yeah, and we've seen Ford interact with Dolores. And we've seen Bernard interact with Dolores. But I don't think we've seen either of them really interacting with Maeve, which kind of is interesting to me where I'm like, clearly something is going, like, is Dolores like the manufactured consciousness where they're both kind of trying to make her conscious to different ends and Maeve is like gone rogue and like nobody knows this is happening? Or like, yeah, I'm curious, like, because I don't, now that I think about it, I don't think we've seen either Ford or Bernard deal with Maeve at all. Maeve is kind of is the subversive, you know, she's associated with um, these working class techs, you know, like so her all of her contacts, most of the people that she talks to are all of these low level people. So which, again, fits with what you were saying, like she's a woman of color. She's a whore. Like she's kind of assigned to this role as like the outsider or the. Yeah. Well, and even Sylvester says that he's like, you're running a whorehouse, not like a space station or something like that. (laughs) And you're like, buddy, like, yeah. But yeah, I think like maybe they just underestimate her and she's kind of like the the person who's actually going to be. Because I think the first couple episodes were really in on Dolores. We're like, Dolores is going to be conscious. She's going to figure this out. She's going to get to the center of the maze, whatever that is. And now I'm, I feel like we're getting more of Maeve. And like Maeve seems like the one who's actually, if anyone's going to figure this out, she's going to be the one to do it. Yeah. Um, I think, and I hope what she figures out is that the maze is just bullshit. Because yeah. who cares? It's only the dudes who care about the maze. Well, it's Dolores like, is also trying to get to the center of the maze. She thinks someone is there, something is there. And then it's going to be freedom. Yeah. Basically, yeah. The center of the maze is freedom. Um, and, and indeed, as Teddy indicates, freedom is an escape from conflict and war. So yeah. that, that's interesting. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on and talking to me about everything. Thank you. This is so fun. You've been listening to Decrypted, Ars Technica's podcast about all the television that we're obsessing about. I'm your host, Annalie Newitz, and I'll be here every week obsessing over Westworld until the season is over. So be here next week and we'll talk some more.